to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast, episode 85. Indeed. This is our Crypticon 2017 retrospective. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are tired. We are fucking spent. So you guys are going to shut up and listen so we can go take a nap. Let's do this quickly. <laughs> Get it over with. Um, so, but no, it's going to be an exciting show. Shit. <laughs> um, the one time Tony doesn't say the show is going to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Great excite. Um, yeah, so it was a long weekend. Um, I mean, even though this isn't a standard show, we do still want to thank our Patreon patrons. Oh, yes, sorry. Uh, of course, they are Kevin Nesgoda, Max Zaleski, Kevin Trent, and Jordan Morrison. Uh, thank you guys for paying for our Crypticon tickets. No, I'm joking. I'm totally <laughs> joking. We didn't pay for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and this this you'll still you guys will still get this early, but we're recording on Sunday rather than Saturday, so I'm thinking you're gonna get it Monday for your early access, and you'll be finding that out on Monday as you're listening to this right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Crypticon. New location, new weekend. It's usually the last weekend of May, but they moved it up to the first weekend. Um, so, I don't know. Did that throw you off at all? I don't think so. No? Something, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just used to it being the last weekend now and you know, moving, moving it up so fast or so far. I wasn't prepared. I don't know. Maybe it's just a psychological thing. Yeah, maybe. But um no, it was a it was I mean it was a busy weekend because I mean for for, for me at least cuz uh yeah, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on Thursday. I went and saw me first in the Gimme Gimmies on Thursday. Right. Uh and then Friday we both worked a full day and then immediately went to Crypticon and party there. I mean we you know did the, the thing we said we we actually had one no we didn't have a we panel. did the thing the, we did the damn thing um no we went and you know we turned the the vendor room as we do and sat on some panels um and we we hooked up with the luchagor crew again and we just hung out with them all night until like one in the morning till yeah and then went home <laughs> Woke up on like I woke up on Saturday morning and I went to do uh, do a free comic book day. Uh, met up with a friend there and we just you know fucked around at the comic book shop for a little while, and then I went back home quickly and then went back up to the hotel for Saturday, and then we were there until two <laughs> two in the morning, <laughs> and we actually did most of our panels that day. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Sunday we were, cause I didn't go Stop to. Stop smacking the couch. Got a problem? Yes. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Kramer. No, I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, I did most of our panels on Saturday and we were there at the after parties until about two in the morning. I didn't get to bed until like three 
and then woke up at 8.30. That was an accident. <laughs> um, woke up at 8.30 and got out of bed at 9.30 and then started today, which was a struggle. Today was tough. Yeah. I'm just it's definitely a sign of getting old. But anyway, um, yeah, so Saturday was an exciting day. We did four panels. Yep. All in a row. <laughs> no, there was a gap between two of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, for for anybody who you know isn't from the area or hasn't listened to our past episodes, uh, Crypticon is a three day horror festival in the Seattle area. It's three days of just macabre and debauchery and perpetually recovering from the night before. Yep. <laughs> I mean, at least the way we do it. Uh, it's you know a lot of cool panels. Um, there's there are celebrities there, but we have kind of strayed away from trying to talk to the celebrities. Um, you know they're they're there to do a thing, you know, and their thing is not to talk to assholes like us. Yeah, I mean we can't we can't really return the favor. We have no bargaining chips. Yeah, and it's you know we're busy, they're busy, and trying to make schedules meet up and all that. It's just it's it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean not not that it's not worth it. It's just it's too time consuming. It's too stressful. I mean, you got to pull them away from their table, so they're not making money. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's just a pain. So we we've kind of strayed away from talking to the celebrities. But I mean, as a fan, it's great to go and and you know talk to these celebrities. You know, get your picture taken with them, get an autograph. Yeah, yeah. I went and talked to um, Tom Matthews, who uh, played Tommy. <laughs> who played Tom? Um, not Tom. Uh, yeah, Tommy. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Jarvis in um, uh, Jason Lives. Which was cool. Tony's favorite of the Fridays. Yeah, it's my favorite favorite uh, Friday movie, and um, uh, it was uh, cool to meet him. He was really friendly, um, and uh, he signed your mask. Yeah, he signed signed my mask that I painted specifically uh, to have him sign. I like that he wrote "Jason belongs in hell." Yeah, that was cool. He was like, "What do you want me to write? You mean you want me to write like two twenty Tony or anything like that?" I'm like, "You know what? Just just do whatever feels right, man." And then yeah, he wrote to Tony, "Jason belongs in hell." And Tom Matthews, the sixth. <laughs> the sixth. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I actually didn't catch that until you pointed it out, so it threw me off for a second. <laughs> but I realized it was part six. Yeah, but um, no, I mean we sp- we spent a lot of our time with Luchagor, which was fun. But I don't know. It seems like they genuinely like us. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> they, they seem to. I mean, either they like us or they're like, well, I mean, they are Canadian. <laughs> Canadian people are really fucking polite. Like, That's true. They're not going to, well, except for Lisa. Lisa's kind of a bitch. <laughs> She's so mean to us all the time. Um, if if you listen to our last year's episode, you know the story between us and Lisa OVA's. Um, we, got, we did get a chance to talk to her again, and it was every bit as contentious as it should have been. <laughs> Um, she's a kick in the pants, man. A kick in the dick. Um, <laughs> no, like, like she literally kicked me in the pants. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, what was our first panel? First panel was at four o'clock, and it was. You're hoping saying those things is going to remind <laughs> I, you. I was really hoping it just <laughs> isn't happening. It's going to come to me before I get there. <laughs> uh, um, what makes horror relevant beyond the genre? Right. 
And honestly, I went into that not really knowing what I was going to say. I feel like we kind of did it backwards because we didn't really talk about how horror is relevant outside the genre. We talked about like things outside the genre that influence horror. We talked a lot about like political messages and horror and social messages. Yeah, I mean, I you know I brought up the fact that horror oftentimes serves as a kind of a cautionary tale. Yeah, and I, mean, I tried to expand on that as much as I could, but you know, rather than keep hearkening back to my point, you know, I just let the conversation flow. You're like, I think I think somebody said something earlier about uh, <laughs> you know I thought it was a good point. Yeah, I mean, um, the the uh, the moderator and oh god was um, Jennifer Lovely. Was that her name? That is her name. Um, she's another local podcaster. Isn't and, she um, She mentioned uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. And um, she talked about how it kind of creates a sense of xenophobia and, you know, don't trust your neighbor and that type of stuff. And, I, you know, I said, you know, that came out around the time of, like, the McCarthy trials where, yeah, you didn't trust your neighbor. You thought everybody was a communist. And you know a Russian sympathizer, so it's like you 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 couldn't you, you didn't know who you lived next to. Um, and you know honestly, I think that would have been relevant all the way through the the seventies and eighties, you know. Yeah. Um, because that was when the Cold War was really getting crazy. I mean, well, maybe not, maybe more so in the sixties, I would think. But yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more of those kind of movies come out in the next, I don't know, four years or so. Um, yeah. <laughs> we did mention that, you know, how horror seems to have gotten um, a lot more tame. And this is when it started to kind of bleed over to another panel that we did. Like the, the subject matter started to kind of cross over, but uh, horror has gotten kind of tame because there's no, over the last eight years, because the political environment's been relatively tame, but now everybody's so outraged. And you know, we brought up Get Out and how that served as kind of an eye opener to a lot of you know racism and yeah. and um, like again xenophobia and that type of thing. Uh, well, then I mean I think that as far as recent movies go, the most obvious is clearly The Purge. Um, yeah, I mean the last one was called fucking election year, <laughs> um, but I mean even you know uh, what was the one before that anarchy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know you kind of had these like rival tribes, and it kind of you know goes to uh, being I don't know about closed minded, but just like you know having your people that you trust, and then everyone else is kind of this you know you. They're an unknown, and you don't know yeah. what they're capable of, and just not trusting people outside of your circle. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, God, I'm trying to think of other points that were brought up during that panel. Um, and I mean, of course, they live is right one of the most obvious um, cases of socio political horror. Yeah, and I guess we talked about uh, George Romero. Um, oh yeah, how his his movies have gotten more like over time have become the, the social or the, the social commentary has become much more heavy handed 
over the course of his career. Yeah, we like we debated if you know if when he wrote Night of the Living Dead, if he intended it to have any kind of social underlying message, mm-hmm. or if it was just like, no, it's dead people. Yeah, they come back to life. It's just scary. Yeah, and it's like I mentioned, uh, you know, he you know co-wrote it with John Russo, and he Romero. What I've heard is that Romero wanted more social commentary, uh, more more of a message in that film. But Russo was kind of pulling it back and saying, no, 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 this is, this is about dead people rising from the grave. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the way that the franchise split off, you got Return of the Living Dead is, has no social message whatsoever. Yeah. And then Dawn of the Dead is clearly this heavy-handed message of consumerism. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, like I brought up, and like, I think Jennifer, she said at one point that Romero has tried to say, oh, no, I didn't mean anything socially in that. Um, I, I've never heard him say anything like that before, but I'll, I'll take a word for it. But it's like, I, I, I basically call bullshit on that because it's like, look at something like the crazies. There's yeah. that, that's incredibly heavy handed in this, in this social commentary. Um, but yeah. then you have something like monkey shines. What's the message there? Yeah. Fair enough. Creep show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, not saying he's like a one trick pony. He's he's obviously a filmmaker first and foremost. Yeah. So uh he was supposed to be there this year, but had to cancel last minute, which was kind of a bummer. Yeah, apparently he had some kind of respiratory issue and they wouldn't let him fly. Yeah, he said he could have driven, but as far as I'm aware, he's in Pennsylvania. I believe so, yeah. And driving across country takes what like five days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So And he's an old, old man. He is old. <laughs> Um, who filled this place? Uh, Matthew Matthew Lillard. Lillard. Yeah, that was like oh, that was something I, I wanted to bust Lisa's chops about. I wanted to be like, all these people canceled, and you still can't get bumped up to celebrity status. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, after that, we kind of milled around for a while. Yeah, we had two hours to kill, and then was that what we did? PG-13 horror? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, they gave us the, the big room for that one. <laughs> yeah, they they thought it was going to be much bigger than it was. So did I, though. I, I thought it was going to be huge. I thought it was going to be packed, which was why I was so excited to do it. it. And what's weird is it wasn't like there was like something else competing with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, be like some screenings or something. There was like, you know, the short films... And then, I mean, unless people were really into the Russian folklore panel, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, was there like a competition or something going on? Is that when the, was that when the making cup? God damn it! My nose is stuffed up. Was that when the makeup competition was going on? Uh, the cosplay contest. Mm, that probably would have taken a lot of people away. Yeah, they so. want to see them titties. <laughs> They want to see girls in bustiers. There were a lot of scantily clad women there. There were. I would, speaking of cosplay, we were we were uh, noticing while we were there there was much more and better cosplay this year than in, in years past. Yeah, for sure. I'm um, not sure necessarily what the co- what what prompted that, but yeah, you know, whatever. I, I mean, that's something I've always thought in the past. Is I was like, I wish more people were cosplaying. Yeah, I, I've always just chalked it up to it being you know. Crypticon being a relatively 
smaller convention just yeah. doesn't really draw that cosplay element <clears throat> as much as maybe other conventions do. You know, Emerald City Comic Con is huge. I mean, not as big as like San Diego Comic Con, obviously, but you know, there's we went there that one year and there's tons of cosplayers. Yeah. Even on we went on a Sunday and that's a three day event too, or no. Four days. I think it's four days. And yeah, there are still tons of people dressed up on a Sunday. Yeah. So. Yeah, we did see like a whole squad of like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Pinhead, Elvira. I think that was it. There's Ghostface. Oh, and Ghostface. Yeah. yeah. Um, Man, that like I've always... My 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 Jason costume that I have it's you know it's a um, Freddy Freddy versus Jason based costume. Um, I've always prided myself on it. I thought I always thought it was really good, but that Jason like it was another Friday, or another Freddy versus Jason version of uh, Jason, and it was it was much better than mine. <laughs> I was jealous. Plus, the guy had probably close to a foot on me, so that helps. Yeah. It was it was funny because the uh, the Michael Myers in that group was probably like five seven, <laughs> just a little guy. And he was like shorter than everyone else. <laughs> I was like, I mean, the guys that before um, Tyler Maine, I mean, the guys that played Michael were, weren't I mean, especially they weren't, big. Yeah, they weren't enormous, but they also were. They were. I mean, there's tall guys still, probably you know six one, six two. Fair enough. Not giant menacing. Like what is what is Maine six seven, six eight. Something like that, yeah. So yeah, they weren't that tall, but they were still, you know, a, a slightly above average height for a man. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, we milled around for a while, just kind of took in the sights. Didn't really have much, much to do. Did we? Did we end up in another panel in that time. Do you remember? While we were waiting for ours. Yeah, I don't believe so. Really? Did we just sat around for two hours? Yeah. Think so. I don't went to the makeup contest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And we watched the end of that. Right. Yeah, we caught the beginning of it and then had to go do our panel. And then luckily it started late. So by the time our panel was over, we got back. Yeah, we were able to see the tail end of it. Like remember we walked in and had that big countdown clock on the on the screen. It was like last three and a half minutes or something like that. But the theme of the makeup contest was um, was Cinnobits. <laughs> yeah. Because they didn't want to get sued. <laughs> but in honor of Doug Bradley being there, yeah, they went with uh, some hellish minions. And uh, there's some, some good looks. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Bailey has become a mainstay yeah. of the Crypticon contest. And the, the poor kid just can't seem to get over the hump yeah I, I don't know what it is man but i mean his his work is good i, I mean i give he's, he's 16 i think yeah um, i think that's what rob said his work is really good um i mean i, I don't want to criticize him heavily i mean there's not much to criticize but i think this something that they've they've talked to him about in the past is his time management and yeah. I, I can relate i i have a hard time that's why i would never be very good in that competition, I think, because my I, I'm a perfectionist and I take too much time to do things. Um, so I can 
relate to his struggle. <laughs> but his his uh his look was really good. Um I think the only thing I wish he would have done is he had what he did is he did like a half skull cap on this girl and like his her her character was somebody who found the lament configuration. She was a model, I think. Um like they all gave, they all give backstories to their characters, which was cool. I think she was just like obsessed with beauty. I don't. I think that it was the a different girl had the character that was the model. Okay, um, but yeah, she, okay, yes, obsessed with beauty. So she, you know, wishes to be beautiful or something when she finds the box and she becomes a Cenobite and has hooks stuck in her face that look like they're basically giving her like a permanent like a face facelift. Lift, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it looked really cool. And like I said, it was like a half skull cap. But and she had the rest of her hair exposed. The one thing I wish she would have done is either put her hair down or done something more dramatic with it because it was just up in like a messy bun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that, that that was my my main critique of his work. Um, but really good job for I mean, especially your sixteen year old, so impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of other good looks too there. I mean, there was five or six entrants. I think it was five. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and who ended up winning? I'm spacing. Uh, Amanda McGahey. Right. Um, hers, I think, looked the most like the Cenobites you see in the yeah, movie. Yeah, especially in the face. Yeah. It had that very dramatic Clive Barker look to it. Very, very heavy brows. Uh, heavy cheeks. Or she was the only accented one that, cheeks. Like really, you know, Thomas had the the blood trickling out of the top, but um, other than that, nobody really utilized blood that much except for Amanda. Yeah, she she put it all over this girl's arms, uh, all over the back of her head. Yeah, and her, on, I think it was on her legs too. Or maybe, Probably. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, it basically looked like she'd just been flayed um, everywhere but her face. Yeah. Which yeah, I mean it looked really good. Um, I mean they didn't have Hollywood budget or Hollywood time to to address the fact that her hair was basically up in a ponytail underneath the yeah. bald cap. But I loved when we went and saw the Roy Woolley interview. Mm-hmm. How he was talking about he was talking about the show Face Off yeah. and uh, how people like big studio uh, makeup artists don't like that show because people think oh they can make this in in two hours. Yeah. And but he was like, that stuff is made to last eight hours, not for a thirty day shoot. Yeah, he was like, some of that stuff is literally held together with duct tape, <laughs> or as he said, spit in a prayer. Right. Yeah. He like he, like you said, literally held. He said literally held together with duct tape that's painted. Yeah. And he's like, that's the stuff they don't show you on the show. Um, I totally believe it because I mean, the the time constraints that they're put that these people are are put under is insane like i don't think any even a low budget film wouldn't put you under that kind of time crunch i don't think yeah or make the insane um requests that that, that are asked of them yeah that's something about the reality shows um by, like by and large is they're you know they're they're set with this challenge, you know, make this thing in this amount of time. And then like halfway through, it's like, okay, here's a, you know, here's a twist, you know, add this 
really weird ingredient to it. It's like that would never happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's 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 fabricated. Uh, um, what's the word? Not stress, but um, drama. Sure, yeah, let's go with that. Anyway, um. Oh fuck! My brain is deteriorating so fast. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. God, we were doing our interview with uh, with Luchagor, which we'll I imagine we'll play here in a little bit. Um, and like, I just I couldn't formulate thoughts at a certain point. I mean, when you hear our interview with Lisa Ovies, we're all just kind of like, so, so what is what is this? <laughs> Who are you? Um. Yeah, so uh, PG thirteen horror. Um, our our moderator, did you? He he's uh, what a co-host on on a local radio show. Yeah, and um, I think, believe he goes by the Reverend Enfuego. Yeah, I can't, I don't recall his real name, but that's that's his name that he uses on air. So, um, um. And then we actually were on the panel with uh, another another girl locally. She, she, I forget her what credential she had. She, but she, she. I think she's a writer and she works for what used to be known as the EMP. Now it's known as the Museum of Pop Culture here in Seattle. Um, and then also uh, Luke and Rainer from Luchagor. Her name is Adrian Clark. But yes, way. sorry, um, and. Uh, I guess I expected it to be a little more contentious. I thought somebody would be on the side of PG thirteen. Yeah, or at least you know, even if, you know, even if the moderator just took that side just for debate's sake, which he kind of no, he, no, well, no, he kind of did. He was trying to stir up conversation. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he was necessarily trying to defend PG thirteen. Just trying to say, well, you know, does it have this place in the world? And just everybody's being like, no, nah. <laughs> Um, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, for like a gateway for children, sure. You know, I, I brought up movies like The Gate and uh, Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. Sure. Those can be PG-13 all day long. Yeah. Because they're made for kids. But if you're telling me, you know, it's the scariest movie of the year, bring the whole family. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my argument that I posed was that... When you drop a movie down to PG thirteen, you're 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 eliminating language, you're eliminating sex, and you're eliminating violence. And um, violence for me is the big one. I mean, I was saying this. It's like for me, growing up, like violent, like gory horror. That's that's what I cut my teeth on. Yeah. I mean, that's horror for me. Like I love the sex and the violence and the blood and the guts and like all that shit. That's horror for me. But when you take all that out, what do you have left? I mean, you can make a halfway decent ghost movie at PG 13. You can't make a slasher movie. You can't make a really like, like really creepy, scary drama just because, I mean, you're, you're 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 neutering it. You're 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 cutting out so many elements of horror that really only live in that rated R realm. I mean, like, as far as language, like 
if you're in a terrifying situation, you're probably going to swear. Yeah. You're going to say, what the fuck is going on? Or something like that, you know? Um, and it's just, it's hard to buy it when someone's like, oh, shucky darn. I don't know if anybody's ever said shucky darn. But you don't know. I just said that. I said, I don't know. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So I mean, like, I mean, I think Adrian brought up the great point of it's all about intent, and it's like you know if you watch if you can watch a PG thirteen movie and tell that it's that, that it's the movie they wanted to make, that's one thing. Yeah. But there's just way too many movies that were clearly made specifically to be PG thirteen. Right. And, and that's where the problem lies. Yeah, and it's like I mentioned how many times on the show. That we've gotten, you know, read, reading horror business, um, you know, talking about movies that are, you know, going back to the editing room or are being rewritten to get a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, it's like just give us the fucking movie. It's like the writer wrote it one way for a fucking reason. Yeah, the writer wrote it one way. The director made it one way. Yeah, like I want to see their vision. Yeah, I don't want to see this fucking neutered, butchered version. I don't want to see a made-for-TV version. Yeah, it's it's. We, um, I think Carrie came up at one point. The, like, the the remake. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know the the book is is good and it's it's incredibly violent and and dark. It's really dark. Um, and you know a lot of that translated fairly well over to the old seventies version uh the the adaptation with uh sissy spacek the de palma version yeah um i mean that wasn't a perfect movie by any stretch but it was it was good it was i mean a lot of people enjoy it to this day and then they make this new shitty version i mean go back and listen to our episode i think somebody said it was like the music video version of carrie and it's like huh wasn't that us well i mean i mean at the panel oh (laughs) And yeah, that, I, I, we basically said the same thing in our review because there's there's a fucking they added a fucking uh, dressing room scene. Yeah, like the cheesy fucking '80s trope of every '80s romantic comedy. Yeah, it looked like some fucking stupid bubblegum pop music video. You know, where like somebody comes out of the dressing room in a new costume, and the other person goes, "No," so yeah. they go and they. And then all of a sudden it cuts to them busting out again in another outfit. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what the fuck is this? What are you doing here? Yeah, and the worst part about it was like, you know, you ex- kind of expect that we- that dumb, goofy shit from like a group of like high school girls. But it was also the guys doing it too. Yeah. And that was just dumb because I knew. I'm sorry, but if you were like, hey, can we go shopping so I can try on some stuff and you can tell me if it's good? I'd be like. No, yeah. Like I don't know anybody in high school that went out like guys at least girls. Girls do that all the time. They go out dress shopping, especially for prom. They go out dress shopping as a group or you know as as a as like a crew of friends. Uh me and my buddy, we went out. We wore fucking zoot suits to our prom. Um, so we went out to a costume shop, rented the the suits, and that was it. We didn't. I don't think we even tried them on. <laughs> Um, and it's like, I don't, 
I don't know, even like all the bros that I went to school with, like I, I really doubt they went out as like this big group. It's like, yeah, let's get fitted for fucking tuxes today, guys. And I mean, you know, most of the time, I, I, I hate to make a generous generalization like this, but guys tend to judge themselves much more, whereas girls would, are more concerned with the opinions of their peers. Yeah. I, I agree. A guy that. will try something on, look in the mirror, say, "Yeah, that looks good." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> or they go shopping, knowing exactly what they want. They get it and they go home. Right. Yeah. Um, going. Hey. Going shopping with my wife when she wants to. My buy. wife. My wife. Like, for instance, if we were to go out shopping and we both need to buy a pair of jeans, I'd go to the shelf, find my size, and go buy them. Um, she, and, and, you know, being married and having this experience shopping for women and seeing them shop for themselves now, I can see why they need to do this, but she will get, like, three different pairs of, like, three different sizes and, you know, different sizes from different brands and all this shit and go try them on because, really, there is no baseline for women's pants it's fucking ridiculous yeah um anyway so girls out there i i feel you like i'm i'm sorry <laughs> don't don't feel them huh don't feel them i won't i won't literally feel you you wouldn't like it my wife wouldn't like it we'd all be... you'd, you'd like it <laughs> <laughs> i totally like it <laughs> um but but yeah, just I mean a general consensus of fuck PG thirteen or yeah, it was pretty much across the board. Like I I I would have like you said I would have thought at least one person would have just an inkling of defense for PG thirteen, but it was pretty unforgiving. Yeah, and Luke really hates the remake of Prom Night. He really does. <laughs> he was he was going on about that later that night at the fucking party. It's like every instance, every everything that we brought up he was like not to bring up prom night again but but i'm gonna bring up prom night again i don't know if it was i mean he didn't seem like it was because it was a remake like that didn't even factor into the conversation it was just that movie because it was absolute was just just everything that he hated yeah well I, i was talking about him or talking with him about uh uh, remakes later on at, at the party later that night, and um, we we both agreed that uh, that the Friday Thirteenth remake and the Texas Chainsaw Ma- uh, Massacre remakes, both of them weren't too bad. I mean, you know, you and I talk about that all the time. Is how uh, Friday Thirteenth isn't terrible. It, it 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 worked well. It was a Friday Thirteenth movie. Yeah. Uh, I think the Texas Chainsaw one gets a lot more um, criticism just because I think Texas Chainsaw fans are, like, really fucking hardcore. Yeah. Like, I don't... I don't love the original. I don't hate it. I just kind of... It's like, eh, yeah, it's there. But I thought... I thought the original... Or I thought the remake was, like, much better than the the original (laughs) just because it was uh, a 
competently done film. The original was so messy. And like I, I know that, that is part of the appeal for a lot of people, but it's just it's so frantic. I don't know. I'm I'm not explaining myself well. I enjoyed the remake better than the than the original. See, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I did think the remake was was decent. Yeah. Um, Jessica Biel in a fucking white tank top. Yeah, and really tight jeans. So tight. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, it. It, you always got to put that caveat, like, eh, for a remake. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, John Squires from Bloody Disgusting, I saw him going off on a tangent on Twitter the other day about how most of the complaints that people have about the Friday the 13th remake apply to most of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. It's 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 no better or worse than the originals. I think people were like, well, Jason runs. And he was like, Jason runs in the first four fucking movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for the first one, obviously. Yeah, and people that are bitching about that are people that were going... It could have been like the ultimate Friday the 13th movie. It could have been like the best one ever made, and people were going to bitch about it because it was a remake. Yeah. That's just the way things go. Um, Apparently, Marcus Nispel, is, he's the go-to guy for remakes because he directed both those. Yeah, he did. And yeah, I mean, he... Out of all the Platinum Dunes um, remakes... Those were the best ones. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, do you want to throw an interview in here or do them later or what? Um, I don't know. We didn't talk this through. No, we didn't. We should have done this beforehand. <laughs> we did not plan this episode. Um, we probably should have like written down some notes or you know at least talked about what kind of order we wanted to go in. But we just, Should we just finish the panels at least? Okay, that's fine. Um, so after that, we went to who would win, and it was a, uh, it was you know take Freddy versus Jason or Alien versus Predator. What other verses can we do? Right. And uh, it was, it was interesting the way the guy did it because he he said he didn't want to do it bracket style, but then he basically did it bracket style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he just meant he didn't want to go through the work of making physically the making a bracket. <laughs> Um, so yeah, each person on the panel got to choose a horror villain. Um, you guys can probably guess who Tony chose. <laughs> you get one guess. <laughs> um, and it's, it's the Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony picked Jason. Uh, I picked Freddy. You know, f- because, uh, there are, you know what? We are the only ones that had to specify which one You're we were right. talking about. Everybody, like, you know, you get, we had, almost everybody had a character that was a franchise character, but. Except for Carrie. Except for Carrie. Um, But we had to specify which, like, I had to specify which Jason I was talking about. You had to specify which Freddy. Nobody else had to do that. Yeah. I don't know if that was just an an oversight or, I mean, it must have been, but. uh that just that just struck me, but I went with Freddy versus Jason, Jason, because he's big, he's powerful, he's brutish, and uh, he's unkillable. Yeah, and I went with uh, New Nightmare Freddy because he can go in the real world and he can fuck up your shit. Yeah, and he's like he's 
the embodiment of evil. He's 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 the, he's a darker and more sinister and like more evil version of Freddy than the Freddy has ever been. At least <clears throat> that's why I would have picked him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then sitting next to me was Matt Dineman. Um, which I don't remember his credentials. Was he a filmmaker? I think so. And who who did he pick? He picked Pinhead. Pinhead. Yes. And then uh, next to him was someone else. <laughs> we're sorry, guys. We're bad with names. Um, uh, Michael Montour, I believe yes. is his name. Um, and he he is a podcaster, uh, as well as I think he's an author. Yeah, he's an author. Yeah. Um, he chose the Jin from the Wishmaster series. Yeah, which is a, is a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, well. Unexpected. Uh, we'll get into that. But yeah. That's and, not I like I, I wouldn't have thought anybody on that would have even you know if you had asked everyone in the room, I wouldn't think the gin would come up. I thought he possibly could have. I mean, like you said it, it it was a good pick, but at the same time it's it's not, you know, like nobody had said Michael Myers, nobody had said Leatherface. It wasn't one of the big names, you know, the big sexy names. Yeah, I think you know we all went with somebody that, with guys that were supernatural had some kind of had a, had some kind of supernatural ability. I think Michael Myers got left out because he doesn't really have any kind of supernatural ability. I mean, aside from being, you know, if we want to go into the whole cult of Thorn thing, but which we don't. No, nobody wants to talk about that. Um, somebody in the audience brought up. Uh, Leatherface, but that was pretty. That was shot down pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Then next was Jason Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what his credentials were. Well, he works for Crypticon. He does. He's yeah. He's Crypticon staff. Um, and he was actually the one we've been exchanging emails with about you know the the press work basically. Um, and he picked Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, from you know. Carry the carry, <laughs> the carry. He he, from carry he picked the carry, um, and then the our moderator whose name escapes me, uh, Doug Willette, who he's he's the um, is the owner. I don't think he's the owner, but he I think he does like the scheduling. Okay, at uh, Central Cinema here in Seattle, which is a fucking awesome theater. Yeah, it is. It's like a it's a. a food and drink theater um and they do like um uh you know they do like special screenings like older movies yeah i saw nightmare on elm street there did you yeah nice saw Shaun of the dead there i wanted to go to that i go to groundhog's day every year every year yeah was that what we saw we we all went once what did we see there was it groundhog's day uh I don't think you've been with us for Groundhog's Day. We like the was four... it Army of Darkness? I don't think so. Because I know I saw Army of Darkness there. The four of us all went to. I something. think it was Shaun of the Dead, actually. I don't think so. Anyway, this is beside the point. Um, he picked Tall Man. Tall Man, yes, from Phantasm. So all boy, so, yeah. All solid picks. Um, 
Now, just based on the the back history of all these characters, we had to make a few concessions, like, you know, where does Freddy battle? Does he battle in Dream World or is he yeah, the, in the real the world? The concept of home field advantage came up a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, like it came up for Jason, and I said, you know what? In the case of Jason, I don't think there's a home field advantage. I think I think that would be purely superstition. Like for for Jason to like say, Oh, my home field well, Jason didn't say anything, but for anybody <laughs> to say Jason's home field is Camp Crystal Lake or the forest or whatever, um I think it's silly because Jason will kill you equally anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um it could be in Manhattan. Yeah, or, and he'll punch or, your or fucking Vancouver. head off. Yeah. <laughs> um so I I said, you know, I don't think it, it fucking matters. You can put him anywhere. It's not it's not going to make a difference in his ability. But um and you know, the fact that uh, something that came up is that there could be numerous versions of the tall man. Yeah. And we basically had to eliminate that because it's like, you know, all of these guys, except for Carrie, have shown the ability to return from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the tall man to, you know, be killed, which he has seemingly been able, like he's, he's died in the films, at least seemingly. And there has the potential for there to be infinite amounts or infinite numbers of the tall man. Tall man's. Tall men's. <laughs> um, so we had to cut that out. Basically say, okay, there's one tall man. <laughs> yes. Cut it out. Um, yeah, we said there's one tall man and, you know, this is this is a single film. It's not a franchise. So, yeah. Um, and that, that I think that helped. I liked the way that Jason said it, that, um, you know, we, we need to not look at it like a fight. But like if this was a movie, at the end of the movie, who is still standing? Yes. Because like you said, you know, Jason comes back after at the end of every movie. Mm-hmm. Freddy comes back at the end of every movie. So you can't think about it as like, oh, well, if they kill me, I'll just come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, there's some there's some challenges, though. Like, well, so like, like Taylor said, we did it kind of bracket style. Jason, my guy, went up against Carrie. And so we basically defended our combatant, you know, said, you know, how we thought the battle would go. It was, it was kind of like Deadliest Warrior, basically. Yeah. It's not necessarily experts, but, you know, people that know the, know the genre and could point out some, some um, strengths and weaknesses of each person. And basically my argument was it's like, you know, Carrie, yeah, she has her powers, and that would definitely – pose a serious advantage over Jason because Jason doesn't have strategy. Well, his, his strategy consists of kill. Um, he will, he will go for, for the kill immediately. He won't dance around it. He won't try to do anything fancy. He will just go in and immediately, you know, try to cut her head off. Basically. I said, now the one thing about that, is that yeah, Carrie would be able to essentially control what Jason is able and not able to do. She could, you know, basically freeze him in place or, you know, make him cut his own head off. Um, she has that ability. 
But if at any point Carrie were to lose her concentration uh, and drop her guard, then I think Jason was going to capitalize on that because he would immediately notice that he's not being controlled anymore and he would go right back to, you know, mission number one. But, and I, I, th- I thought that was entirely possible being that Carrie is a severely damaged teenage girl who has a kind of a, 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 an inner weakness along with her apparent, you know, inner strength. Um, or may, maybe an outer weakness, I should say, to pair with her inner strength. So if her, if her broken mental condition started to come through and she basically lost her ability to control her powers, Jason would immediately go back to attempting to kill her. Yeah. And I mean, she's got to sleep at some point, right? Yeah. Um, but Jason lost the... People the, did not buy your argument. Yeah, apparently not. You got fucking, fucking first round KO'd. Yeah. Oh, well. I was surprised at like how drastic the difference was. Like a lot of people voted for Carrie. Yeah. But whatever. That's how the, how the cookie crumbles or something. That's what they say. Some kind of phrase. Um, I wish I had some cookies. Cookies are awesome, man. Uh, yeah. And I, my first round matchup was the gin, and uh, it kind of came down to a stalemate. Right. And that was, this was a challenge, I thought, because there, there had to be a lot of things ignored. Yeah. There was a, a lot of, uh, a lot of if statements. Yeah. Because... Something that I brought up that I don't think really anybody else remembered about the Wishmaster series is that the Jin only has the ability to use his powers if somebody makes a wish. Um, so if somebody nobody makes a wish, he's essentially powerless. Yeah. Um, but the same thing is kind of the same problem with Freddy. He can be he can pulled, only attack you in your dreams. Yeah, he can be pulled into the real world, but he doesn't have any real powers in the real world yeah and so it was like it with almost every round it was like well does this person dream yeah like, we don't know <laughs> does the gin dream yeah so i don't know if, like i i figured i don't know if we uh, as a group actually landed on this but i figured the best thing would be is to assume that the gin does dream it and he has access to his powers within the dream world yeah somebody suggested that it's like oh well you know somebody you know, somebody could tell the djinn to kill Freddy. And then he could, or somebody could wish that the djinn would kill Freddy. And That's then, outside interference. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I wasn't buying that. But my feeling was that Freddy would take it because yeah. the djinn cannot use his powers unless somebody makes a wish. Right. And if Freddy was going to make a wish, actually, in the first Wishmaster movie, uh, what's her name? Alex, the girl. She uh, wishes for the the gin to kill himself. He puts a gun to his head, blows his head out, blows his head off, and then it grows back. And he says, "You cannot kill, which is eternal." So, wishing for him to kill himself would not work. So that and I, I wish I would have remembered that. <laughs> would have oh, he that said up. he said he wishes. Oh, oh, he's gonna summon the gin. <laughs> anyway. 
Anyway, so like I said, initially it was a stalemate. Um, we actually like left this round at a stalemate and came back to it before Freddy was finally declared the winner. Yeah, just kind of tabled it for a bit. I suggested they start a tag team called the Dream Warriors. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't Pinhead. It was... Oh, no, it was Pinhead. Somebody picked Candyman. Or no, that Candyman came from was, the crowd. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and I suggested Candyman team up with the Tall Man. And they could just be the men. <laughs> and they could we could have a tag team match between the men and the Dream Warriors. Nobody liked that idea. <laughs> um, Where's Teddy Long when you need him? <laughs> tag team match, player. Okay. Wrestling. Holla. Yes, thank holla, you. Holla. We're done with wrestling. <laughs> Fucking guy. Holla. Um, yeah, holla. Shut up. Punk rock. Okay. Get it out of your system. Let's go. Come on. I was doing Johnny's Bar Mitzvah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Punk rock, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Johnny. Uh... <laughs> We'd like to thank Timmy's family, Johnny, Johnny's parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, what is this? Pinhead versus Tall um, Man. Tall Man. And I think we must have decided that the whole multiple Tall Men thing was not going to be involved. After we ran through this one, yeah, because we I think we decided the tall man was going to win, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. They've both they've built, both been shown to be able to be killed, but Pinhead was killed by another Cenobite, and then everybody got in on trashing uh, Hellraiser bloodlines, which. <laughs> I like that movie, so <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and then everyone's like, "I haven't seen Ravager," and I'm like, "Don't, yeah, don't, don't do it." No. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Tall Man took that one, right? Yeah. And then we went back went back to Freddy and the Gin, and uh, yeah, and the Gin won. No, Freddy won. That's right. And then Freddy. they went to the crowd for another pick, and it ended up being Candyman. So there was Candyman versus Tall Man. Right. And again, it was kind of a stalemate. Um, but I think they decided Candyman won. What's the. F- okay. Yeah. I mean, it must have been Candyman because I'm pretty sure Freddy and Candyman went head to head. So that must have been the yeah. final battle. Yeah. Hey, and yeah, Freddy came out on top. I'm the winner. Yep. I got a trophy. You didn't get a trophy. And I got a cash prize. I got a giant one of those giant checks. None of these things happen. Oh. Uh so, um, moving on to our final panel of the night, which was by far my favorite. Yeah. The casket list. Who would you do? Mm-hmm. Who would you, who would you voodoo? <laughs> and so we basically launched into uh, a lengthy discussion 
about which horror people we would fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, the panel consisted of us, uh, Jason Mortensen again, um, Kim. Sorry, Kim. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Douthit? Douthit? Uh, who was one of the horror honeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt Four and Greg Spiritus. Um, so yeah, poor Kim, <laughs> the only woman up there. But we were all so like, Jason, especially. He was like, he was like, I'm glad that there is w- at least one woman on this panel. Yeah, I mean, it, it did extend the conversation into other places that it probably wouldn't have gone. Yeah, if it had just been all guys. Like I think that I think her presence prompted the same sex question. Probably just to make all the guys. Say who they would, yeah. Who their their man, man crush is? Yeah, Taylor was trying to act like he was just too macho to ever want to fuck. No, guy. I honestly <laughs> couldn't think of anyone. I was like, "There's gotta." I know there's gotta be someone. I've just been like, you know, that's a good looking man, but it just it just wasn't wasn't coming to my head. And then Tony's like, "Oh, Taylor would fuck Adam Wingard," which I I don't think Adam Wingard is all that attractive. Sorry, Adam. I love your work, but uh, and so Taylor would definitely fuck Adam Wingard. <laughs> Or at least suck him to completion. <laughs> uh, did it. But I mean, that's just that's what you do for people you appreciate. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, who did I say? I don't even remember. You. I said Bradley said, Cooper, but I, I think that was all you said. Did okay. Yeah. Everyone was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> that guy. He's a good-looking guy. Do, you do you and Bradley Cooper, man. I don't know. I will. Fuck it. <laughs> no, you won't. For so many reasons. <laughs> well, because he doesn't like me. Yep. That's one of them. <laughs> the other one being neither of us are gay. That's, that's another one. <laughs> another one that you'll like probably never meet him. And if you do, you'll probably never get close enough to be inside him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, then we talked we talked about, you know. Which which characters? Which I think what monsters came up at one point? I was kind of surprised the female Cenobite never came up. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fuck with hell beasts. <laughs> at one point, Jason was like, "Okay, well, what who what monster would you not want to fuck?" And it's like all of them, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like. He he said that like when when you first saw this panel, who was who immediately came to mind? And the first guy said Wolfman. Yeah, I don't know why. I think maybe he thought that it was going to be the mentality. Or I think his head was in like, what monster would you fuck, or which you know horror movie creature or whatever would you fuck? And he says he's like, and I definitely fuck the Wolfman. <laughs> it's like all right, man. <laughs> um. I like when I first saw it. The one I immediately thought of was um, Barbara Crampton's character from Reanimator. Yeah, I'm just like that. That lady changed my life. <laughs> she made me a man. I mean, yeah. I my, I immediately went to Brie from the Friday Thirteenth remake, right? Because her tits are fucking stupendous. <laughs> so juicy. They dude. could win a fucking titty contest. <laughs> Um, and I got hit for saying that. <laughs> Why 
Why does everybody hit me when we go to Crypticon? <laughs> you just look like a target. I just got one of those faces yeah. that you just want to slap around. And um, Kim said, uh, "Tony Todd." Is that what she said? She did say Tony Todd at one point. I don't remember if it was right off the be- right off the bat. She but. said uh, she said Tony Todd on a couple occasions, um, and I can't remember what the instances were. But she's got a thing with voices. Apparently. Yeah. Which you know, I I can get behind that. I guess voices are a powerful thing. You know what's weirdly hot? Asian girls with British accents. All right, doesn't happen a lot, <laughs> but it's weirdly hot. You do you, brother. <laughs> um, God, where did it go from there? I don't know. Things it got went really all crazy. Over the place. It got wet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a mess. By the time our panel had started, the 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 after parties were already going. So a couple, at least the first three guys on the panel were just they were they were knee deep already. Yeah, a couple of them were pulling off of flasks while we were sitting there, um, and uh, I feel I felt like their kind of semi intoxicated mentality was a little contagious because yeah. yeah the rest of us all just started we got really loud wild. and just yeah we got a lot of uh you know audience interaction which was great mm-hmm. um it wasn't i mean it was it was a basically a standard sized conference room in the hotel um and i don't know were there about 10 15 people in there oh yeah at least. so it wasn't full um but there was a good, good amount of people it was a good crowd yeah um and yeah Got a lot of fan interaction. Heard about some people I'd never even heard of before. Uh, Tony Kay, who's a local author, I believe, and a, and a filmmaker. Um, he uh, he brought up, I don't even remember her name now. but Edwige Zappa. Finich. That was the last name. I remember It was that. like Edwige or something. Edwige, Edwige right. Finich? Something like that. Um, just, yeah, some... some uh, Italian actress from like the sixties or seventies, I think. He said, "What she? He said she's a p- politician or something now." Yeah, but yeah, pulled her up and like, yeah, God bless you, man. Tony she's, pulled her up and he pulled it out. That's right, right there at the table. He was like, "Wow, yeah, you're right." <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> um, yeah, things got crazy. I I couldn't even keep track of all of it. Like it was, there was really. It was so funny because Jason was the moderator and he didn't care at all. Yeah, he's and so he, he just he just kind of let everything run its course yeah. and just didn't even bother trying to corral people. And that was totally fine. Yeah, like, I think that's probably the best way you could have handled it. Yeah, because I mean, how are you going to keep an organized conversation about fucking movie characters, especially horror movie characters? <laughs> yeah. like, um, apparently he's got a an older lady thing, right? So he's talking about Pamela Voorhees. Yeah, and everyone was like, wait a minute. Like, what? (laughs) The guy guy next one was like, there's a difference between like older ladies and going all the way to Pamela Voorhees. (laughs) Maybe just like the turtleneck. I don't know. (laughs) We we talked about um, like what directors we'd want to fuck. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what were some? Oh, uh. 
Jason's like, I, I was waiting for somebody to bring up some kind of necrophilia. I'm like, you want necrophilia? Fine. And then, like, the girl played Jane Doe in Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah. She fine. <laughs> I, he was giving us shit for, like, naming horror movie victims. <laughs> and we were like, they were alive at the time. <laughs> and uh, what, what brought up the whole thing about, kind of went on for, like, five minutes. Something, something about uh, no, not... Talking about little kids. Oh, that was he, like his one rule. He wanted to, he wanted to he said he wanted to fuck Angela from Sleepaway Camp, but not Angela from the first movie from yeah, two and three. <laughs> he was very specific about that. And like it, it got into Twin Peaks and it was like everyone kept talking about Cheryl Lee and Madgen Amick. And I like I wanted to be like, Audrey was a fucking dime, but mm-hmm. I think she might have been underage. <laughs> So it, it was the one rule, so I didn't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I can't remember all their names. Um, but one guy said, um, yeah, she's Shirley in Twin Peaks. And he's like, I recognize that ass. And I'm like, I recognize that ass from John Carpenter's Vampires because mm. it was right there looking <laughs> fine. Um. Yeah, my wife is gonna be so proud of me if she listens to this. <laughs> will she? <laughs> no, be <laughs> furious. No, I mean, will she listen? No, probably not. All right, you're good then. <coughs> um, if it makes her feel any better, you're never going to fuck any of these people. No, <laughs> for again, for so many reasons. Right. <laughs> like some of them are dead. Anyway, um. So was that the end of the day? Yeah. Then we hit up the party. Got a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, First we had to hit the liquor store. Right. Did you drink your whole bottle? I poured it into a, like I, you know, drink whiskey Mountain Dew like I always do. So I got a got a one liter bottle of Mountain Dew, drank it down about a quarter of the way and filled it back up with whiskey. Bought a pint of whiskey and that was about somewhere between half and three quarters of it. I killed my whole bottle. Good for you. <laughs> I thought about drinking, like maybe pouring the rest of the bottle in there because the drink I ended up pouring in the bottle wasn't wasn't very strong. But it's like, uh, no. You had to drive home. Yeah, I, so I got to drive. I should probably not drink an entire bottle of liquor. <laughs> I did not have to drive, so I did drink an entire <laughs> bottle of liquor, except for the the shot that I gave Rainer. That was, yeah. I was I. I wasn't even buzzed, it felt like, by the end of the night. Really? Yeah. I was. I barely even drink anymore. My constitution's still f- through the fucking roof. Man, I I feel like... I mean, I, I, I wasn't, like, hammered by any means, but um, I feel like when I was in my 20s, I could get drunk and not have a hangover. Now I feel like I can not get drunk and have a hangover. <laughs> I'm like, how is this fucking fair? Yeah. That's what sucks about um, if you're drinking for several hours, but you're not drinking fast enough, you start getting a hangover. <laughs> While you're still, yeah, yeah, before you even go to bed. Um, yeah, but I had, like, I had the wherewithal to pop a couple Advil before I went to bed, because mm-hmm. that's, that's the secret, guys. If you don't want to have a, a headache, take aspirin before you go to bed, mm-hmm. but it does nothing for your stomach. <laughs> so I woke up and I had a, a nice liquor shit, yeah, whiskey shits. <laughs> yep, 
And, uh, you know, then I felt a little better. Well, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, we we hung around that party till about two in the morning. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Put on by um, Mad Brothers Media and uh, Sci-Fi Monkey. Uh, both, both. Uh, I don't think they do podcasts. They're just multimedia. Guys. Yeah. But yeah, check them out. I mean, I think their websites are probably Mad Brothers. I mean, just. I don't know if now's the time, but I guess it's as good a time as any uh, to just shout out like all the people that we met and their d- different, you know, affiliations. Um, you know, of course, Luchagor, Lisa OVAs, um, Mad Brothers Media, uh, Sci-Fi Monkeys. We ran into Chris from Podcast Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the people that we were, we did, went to the superstars of podcasting mixer. Right. Uh, we met the hosts of Don't Read the Latin and uh, Media Triforce. Is that, is that right? Uh, sounds right. And uh, <laughs> and then Langley, the host of the Bonus Material podcast. Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, all just really great people. Super nice, super informative. You know, we were all sharing podcasting horror stories. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we throughout our, our god damn it, throughout all of our panels, found out like. Fucking everybody has a podcast now, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I apologize because I was in like a certain headspace, and like I barely caught people's names. So your your name, the names of your podcasts, I would mention them here. I just I, I don't recall them. <laughs> I just did. There were others. Oh. Um. Anyway. Uh yeah, so that wrapped up Saturday, and then today we had one panel, which was the the podcast panel, yeah, which I don't think there's nothing to go into on that one. Not really. I mean, it was like I said, it was just it was a bunch of podcasters sitting in a room talking about podcasting. It's, yeah, wouldn't be interesting to <laughs> recap, right? If you want to know about podcasting or starting a podcast, just email us. Yeah, <laughs> we'll tell you everything. Um. But I mean, other than that, today we pretty much just kind of milled around for a while. We went to uh, the Puppet Killer panel um, where Lisa and uh, Gigi was there. She's she's in the movie, um, and uh, Lisa. I forgot her name. Delu, De- huh? Delu, is that how it's pronounced? I think so. Okay. Um, she is one of the lead actresses as well. And then um, the producer, Melissa. Or Daru. Yeah, with an R, not an L. Okay. Uh, and then the producer, Melissa. Menounos. No, it's not Menounos. Oh, right, that's Maria Menounos. That's somebody else. That's, that's another person altogether. All, all <laughs> uh, no, Michelle. Mich- what did I say? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Michelle Guys, been Malud, fucking... is that her name? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> didn't we decide it's not in here? Well, they played the puppet killer trailer, which actually for the first time, <laughs> yeah, world premiere. Uh, even though there was hardly any sound, right? There was there were some technical difficulties. Tried my best to help, but uh, didn't really help all that much. <laughs> yeah, so we all kind of had to like huddle around the speakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was like this little, basically, like you know, a two point five computer speaker system sitting on this desk which should have worked fine but it, i think what was suspect was the volume on the projector been turned down 
and the remote fucking disappeared. <laughs> um, but like I had all of our recording equipment in, our, in my trunk in the car. So I ran out. I ran out and got some cords that I thought might help, and they didn't really. Um, I was like, you know, I'm thinking like, God, can I, I should go get a mixer board and plug it in. Maybe I can take the sound that's coming out and turn it up more. I was just like, you know, that's probably not. That's even a whole it. thing. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to take it all back. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. But the trailer looks really good. Yeah. I mean, we were, when Lisa told us about the movie last year, it sounded so off the wall and so screwy that we're just like, this is going to be just absolutely ridiculous. But we see the trailer and like, I don't know. I, don't know I mean, it sure. is. It is. It's, it's <laughs> screwy um, because there's a, a puppet killer. <laughs> yeah, and plus the the entire uh, cast of characters are all supposed to be these sixteen year old kids, and uh, Gigi is the youngest one in the cast at twenty five. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody else is in their thirties. The main 40s. actor is apparently forty five years old, right? And they're supposed to be fucking sixteen year olds. Yeah, which I didn't pick up on. Like she, I guess Lisa had said that at one point, and I, I think I must have been. Trying to figure out the projector or something. It may have been when you were gone. Okay. Um, but some uh, faces you'd recognize if you watch, um, you know, in, in pretty much anything that's like made in in Vancouver. Like if you watch like CW shows, you'll definitely recognize the lead actor. Um, he's he's been in iZombie, um, and apparently he's going to be in uh, War for the Planet of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, which was pretty impressive. Um, and I'm totally spacing on names. Oh, you can look it up. Go to IMDb. It's on there. Um, and then, you know, Gigi and uh, the other Lisa. And, like, anybody's seen Deadpool, you guys remember the, the fucker at the beginning with the bedazzled jeans that gets fucking pistol whipped? He's in that. It seems like playing essentially the same character. <laughs> Lisa swears up and down that the guy is like really smart and um, he's like he's like like a really nice person, but he just plays that douchebag character so well, <laughs> and he totally looks the part too. Like I mean, some people just look like douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, oh, and uh, Lee something, I recognize him from See No Evil too, but he's been in other things, um, which escape me. Was he the one that's in the... He's not the one that's in the the 100. No, that was somebody else. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can check out... All these people are on Puppet Killer's IMDb page. Go check him out. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, we set in on Tom Matthews' um, interview. I mean, sh- should we play the interview with Lisa now? Oh, okay, yeah. But, um, okay, yeah, so... We took some time out um, to talk to Lisa Obies and Lisa Daru. I think it's Daru. Fucking or, Christ! It's D U R U P T, but I, I, it didn't sound like she said the P T. Like it was silent. It sounded to me like Daru. Okay, well let's go with that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, we're bad with names. We told you that, and you'll hear that in the interview. Um, so and Lisa 
if we're saying it wrong, I'm sorry, we're Americans, we're dumb. But we don't care because America. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, here's us again. talking to the two Lisas. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. It's Grape Pot Podcast at Crypticon 2017. This is Skeletoni. And Taylor of Terror. We are here with the director of Puppet Killer, Lisa Oviez, and Lisa... Oh, shit. Sorry. Drew. 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 <laughs> I, I can't remember her name to save my life. I'm That's sorry. okay. You can call her the pretty one. Stop it. But you stop. Can't. It's true, but stop. stop. But that means I'm the smart one. Damn it. <laughs> so we're all sitting on the floor right now. Yes. Lisa did not assault me this time. Yet. Yet. The night is young. But we just got done watching the trailer for Puppet Killer. Which looks just great. Thank so, you. Sounds awful. <laughs> okay, that's not fair. Stephen Gallagher did the sound. We are insanely lucky to have him. There was just a tiny glitch with the sound in the projector. But then, because of that, you got to watch a trailer what four times? <laughs> four times as minimal tried. sound. I watched, We got to watch it enough times to where I could record it perfectly, and now yeah. I put it online. Tonight. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and you guys can fan dub over it and just change all of the. We're, we're going to drunken cinema to your, your trailer. <laughs> yes. Actually, Perfect. I encourage you to do that. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, I mean, we talked to you about the, the, the creation of the movie last year, so nobody else, nobody wants to hear about that again. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but what's your what's your release schedule looking like? Um, oh, and I'm going to just uh, say for all of your wonderful people listening, Lisa is the one of the leads oh, in it, sorry. so that we have relevance as to why she's... Weekend. And I, you know, it's been a really long weekend. That's why we're all sitting on the floor. <laughs> visual just picture all of us really tired Sunday midday um, we are right now in the middle of post-production so unfortunately it did get stalled out a little bit um, but we are back on track and like I said Stephen Gallagher who's the composer of the lovely bones he and I are working right now uh, he's in New Zealand but we're working on the sound uh, uh, pardon me the music and I'm working with my sound designer tightening up a couple of VFX shots like we talked about all the kills are practical it's just matching the snow um, and then one of the festivals that has requested us would require us to be finished by July 13th so fingers crossed that's the deadline but in indie film money we're still trying to come up with a little bit of money to finish the sucker off so I mean you explained like meeting Gallagher but how'd you get fixed up with him? How'd isn't that, that crazy so my really good girlfriend uh, Natalie Bolt plays um, uh, Mrs. Blossom on Riverdale, the CW show that Riverdale. Okay, yeah. They broke for a hiatus and me and her ran away to LA. And she's from New Zealand and he's a really good friend of hers. And one day we were talking about the fact that we still needed a composer. She's like, oh, I'll put you in touch with Stephen Gallagher. He did the Hobbit trilogy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Can't afford him. Right. Um, <laughs> legit. Thank you. And then she put us in touch. He loves horror. We literally Facebook messengered. I'm freaking out, trying to be all cool. Thank God he's not looking at me when I'm doing it. Um, and I just broke down the premise. He loved it. Uh, he said he'd like to be involved. I broke down like the budget a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you understand how much I can't afford you. <laughs> and he said, send him the cut. And it was a rough cut and I was really nervous to do it. I sent it to, uh, probably half an hour after he finished watching it. He was like, we need to talk now. And he was like, whatever we need to do to make this happen. Um, which we're so grateful. We're so grateful. He's so talented. Um, and that was it. That was Nat. And that same trip, uh, I met up with my favorite band ever of all time, and they signed on to write our music, so it was a very magical trip. Everclear? <laughs> Nickelback? <laughs> no, um, uh, you know what? Your people can hear it before anyone else. Steel Panther. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm working right now with Darren writing songs for uh, our movie. I'm, they're all originals. 
Yeah, they're all they're literally writing original songs for a movie. That's awesome. Steel Panther. I know. I know. I know. It's so wonderful, and they they get the comedic timing of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's they're the perfect band for us. So. I love this. We're getting exclusives. Yeah, you are. I know. Uh, Lisa, did she blackmail you into this? I mean, no, no, not at all. No, I worked with her, and you can't and, see the gun to her head right now. Right. <laughs> she's help me. She's pinching her side. No, we worked together. We did a little horror. Nope. No, no. Nope. Did a little comedy. There we go. We did a little comedy uh, indie that a friend of ours had recruited me for and we kind of just fell in love in the idea that we're both we like comedy and, mm-hmm. and then just over some beverages it kind of just happened naturally that she explained it we got to know each other a little bit better over the next I don't know how many months and she had me sign some things no not even <laughs> no not even um, no I was sold the minute she kind of explained the premise for it something I'd never done and, and she's very passionate I think it's really easy when someone's passionate about something for them to really get you on board and I think that's the common denominator with everybody that was involved was that she was so excited about it and was so forthcoming with how excited she was about it that you really couldn't get away from her at any point. <laughs> I have a question Just for kidding. you. Yeah. Um, number one, I directed that film, and the reason I fell in love with her is because we both do improv, and she was so good at like moments of me being like, can I just throw this at the end? And I made her do like like bad jokes about pooping on a toilet. I was going to say, I think the moment we actually <laughs> fell in love was, was when the pooping on the toilet, I, right? I was sitting on the toilet pretending to poop in a scene, and she threw me one line to say, and the other characters in the bathtub, and I knew when she had me... Just the word was nope. So all I had to say was the character says, I hope you're not pooping, and all I had to say was nope. No, no, no. She's like, You better not be. You, you, you better, better just be you, peeing. Yeah, you better just be peeing. Yeah. And you just go, Nope. <laughs> it was so, so stupid, but so funny, and that's my style of humor. So I yeah. think that was the instant, like, we kind of love each other. Yeah. And I then it just, just like, went from there. I was like, Can I just throw this one line and see how you deliver it? And she killed it. What yeah. was it like? I'm hijacking your interview, and this is a real question. What was it like when I pitched? Because I don't know. Like, I want to do a horror film where the killer's a puppet. Like, was that, like, did you I wait for the punchline or did No. <laughs> Oddly enough, um, no, I think you, you really you sold it because the fact that you premised it as a comedy you said it's a horror comedy and I had just uh, um, just kind of fallen in love with shows like uh, Cabin in the Woods or shoot now I'm blanking on it there was one that I had just watched that was a horror comedy that was like it's that that style and and so it was a very easy sell interesting yeah everyone's crazy yeah we talked to you last year about just the development and like all the homages that are in it where the hell did the puppet come from? What inspired you to make a puppet movie? I was producing a film called Bedbugs, a musical love story, which was fantastic and it won a ton of awards and I'm really grateful for the learning experience. But it was like like a hundred people singing and dancing in the sunshine with these six puppets and I was casting a horror film at the same time and I was just like, fuck, I was doing everything for other people and I was like, in a perfect world, what would I do? And I don't understand the part of my brain that did this, but I was like, I'd kill everyone with a puppet. And that was it. And I fell in love with that idea very quickly. I called Lee Majub. I told him. He didn't tell me I was crazy. He said he loved it. And then me and him shot back and forth. And then I quickly got in touch with this guy, Jack Fox, and was like, I think we need to build a killer puppet. And it took us probably six months to figure out what he looked like. And I just was convinced we were going to make it. It was a short. And then the more I talked about it, everyone was like, it's a feature. And I was like, it's a feature? Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I thought it was like this really self-indulgent thing for Lisa. I love horror. Let's just do this stupid short. And everyone was like, "No, it's a feature." And then very quickly it became a feature that I was directing, and it just it blew up. I don't know. It took on a life of its own. Oh, so you didn't actually intend to direct it? I was gonna be Gigi. 
I was going to be Gigi's character in it because oh. um, I'm an actress. And I directed I Want to Date You, which is the one that I met Lisa on. And I went out for beer with Sterling Bancroft, our DP. And he was going to DP Puppet Killer. And I was like, no, no. He's like, well, you got to direct it. I was like, well, I can't direct it and start it. I'm not that good and I don't want to be that self-indulgent. And I was like, so I want to act in it. And he was like, well, what are the biographies on your bookshelf? And I was like, fuck. Kevin Smith, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, all these directors. And I was like, you're right. I guess I'm going to direct it. And then I had to really let go of the joy of acting with all these actors. That was the weird part for me. I was like, I want to act with all these people. Um, <laughs> well, if they all have twins, you can in the sequel, too. We should go back in time. <laughs> there you go. They get even younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like second They're grade. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I realized that I wasn't going to be in it, I never had a question that it was going to be Gigi. I wanted a strong Latina female in it, so. That's it. I don't remember what the question was. I hope that was the answer. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. Sunday like, that's a good afternoon. Answer. It's really tiring at Crypticon. Well, I mean, there are a lot of familiar faces. And like, like I said, I'm terrible with names, but I can mm. like put faces that things I've seen them in. Like Lee, he's in uh, See No Evil 2, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We could have mentioned that, given that it's a horror. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't mention that on our These panel. are all things you're going to know for the next one. <laughs> Lee is in See No Evil 2, absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and your lead. Um, Alex. Alex. Levin. Thank you. He's, I think I saw him in Eyes Everything. Zombie, you right? literally saw He's him in everything. Supernatural. He has been rocking it so hard the last little while. Not last little while, quite a while now. Forever, yeah. Supernatural, yeah. iZombie. He's a lead in the Van Helsing. Did he just do Warcraft, or did I make that up? He didn't do Warcraft. I only know this because I'm also his agent. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, he's in War of the Planet of the Apes, which comes out July 14th. He worked on that for seven months. Did one month of ape camp. Yes. <laughs> like literally working he, with um, what's his nuts, um, and I know who it is. Circus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's got some great stories. This is one time Andy just had everyone go out into the forest for an hour and just stay in character. And if he broke character, he had to go back in. But nobody wanted to not work with Andy, and so they just were out in the mountains just. I just That's love cool. He's got such great stories. Yeah. But yes, he's in it. And Richard Harmon from The 100, who plays Murphy. Um, it. <laughs> it's great. I only watched it because Lee pitched me Richard. And I wanted Lee, and I wanted to make Lee happy. And I didn't know this Richard Harmon guy. And I was like, yeah, if he's your best friend, if he's good, whatever. And God, he's one of the most phenomenal actors ever. I was so lucky to have him. And so I started watching The 100, and I was like, oh, him? I get him? That guy's going to be in my movie? I'm so lucky. And now I'm like four seasons into The 100. And because of our pause, which is neat for us, he went from reoccurring to a series regular in that break time. So his star is rising. There you go. Yeah. Such a gift to work with. Steel Panther's writing him a song. Specifically, he gets a theme song. Love it. Yeah. What's the, what kind of release are you going to be looking at? Is this going to be in theaters? Or? I don't think so. Um, I w it's funny because Michelle, my producer who's over there, would argue with me on this one. <laughs> Don't, though. Um, I think a lot of times with independent film, like obviously we would never turn down theatrical. That would be an amazing gift. Uh, I'm realistic as an indie filmmaker, though, that theatrical costs you a lot of money. You put so much money in a P&A budget for very little back. Um, and it's really hard to get eyes on it because we can't afford the marketing campaign, right? Whereas I think film festivals are the way to go. Horror film festivals specifically and conventions where so many people are excited about the genre that put eyes on it and then that allows us for opportunity for distribution. Like we have lots of offers, but um, I guess we'll just say yes to the best possible option, but it's, it's a hard one to juggle. I don't think it's theatrical. 
just because why would the very first movie I direct? Hey, you're not that good. I know, I'm not that good. <laughs> Thank God my cast carries me. Jeez. It's Sunday at Crypticon. I just kind of keep saying that. I like the music too. It just kind of went dun dun dun. <laughs> Brain dead. Where is there a piano? I know. Somewhere. We, we on looked the first for this. Floor. I know. We looked for this quiet little area, and then I feel like they rolled the piano in after we sat down. And at one point, there's just a group of people laughing, and I'm like, "How can you laugh on Sunday afternoon? Stop." Because <laughs> they have, probably haven't been here all weekend. Exactly yeah. as we. <coughs> Today was the cheap ticket, so. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. That's hilarious. <clears throat> um, you talked in your panel about how you ripped off all these other movies. Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! Okay, if you guys don't know our history. <laughs> Like, I think I said I hate you in my panel. <laughs> That's horrible. I pay homage, pay homage to uh, probably about eight or nine horror films. Homage is French for plagiarism. <laughs> that's really funny. There's literally a kid putting his hands against a static TV. Like, I know, but there's that's Simon ripped behind off. him. <laughs> <laughs> Homage, Halloween 1, 2, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Chucky, The Shining, probably more than I can think of. So, I, I gotta see this thing because those movies have nothing to do with each other. So I gotta see no. how, how this all fits in together. Evil Dead? Yeah, no, 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 nothing. Nothing to do with each other. Um, literally, we just reenact scenes from those movies with a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Two years pumping this out, and people find out it's just all of us in my room doing <laughs> scenes from Halloween and stuff. That don't fit together in any yes! way. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh, oh, that's not Christ. what the movie's about. <laughs> that's what the sequel will be for sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Or maybe not, I don't know. I found it funny. Anything Tired. else? I think that's all I got. All right. Great. Nice so, to see your stupid bye. faces again. <laughs> <laughs> so where can they keep up with, with Puppet Killer online? Um, uh, Twitter, uh, Puppet Simon. Simon's a bit of an asshole. I would encourage everyone to listen and follow him. Uh, and then Puppet Killer uh, on a Facebook page. We've got, wow, I am tired, people. We have a Puppet Killer Facebook page. This is called Puppet Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so funny? Because <laughs> we couldn't get it out. It's like the simplest moment in my brain went, now nah, I'm done. <laughs> and I could watch me and I was like, you're on your own. <laughs> also, you can follow me on social media, Lisa Ovie, it's O-V-I-E-S, or Lisa Daru, D-U-R-U-P-T. But you're something else, right? The Lisa Daru. On Twitter? Everything. What about on Facebook? Because I can never tag you on stuff. Did you just yes, block me? Is Lisa that why? Daru. I think she blocked me, but that's okay. Well, no, my personal page is... Okay, that's it! Because there oh. was a couple of very forceful men in Bible Belt Middle America that oh, kept nice. coming after my Facebook page. Okay, that's, that's so we fair. Swapped it. It's Got it. Well, but you don't want me tagging your personal one and that stuff anyway, because... Well, no, so just scratch all of that. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that was going to stop that information? He <laughs> just put his hand over the phone if whoever missed that. <laughs> Is that not how this works? That's the visual equivalent of what just happened to my brain. <laughs> no, 
it's the Lisa Derue at everything. Don't worry, I'll, yeah. I'll put a goofy sound effect over you. There you go. Please do. There you I feel go. like there was this nerd <laughs> frequency thing that just went out to everyone here about 23 seconds ago. Yeah. that just killed everyone's brain. And I just brain. got here at 2. <laughs> oh, no. I don't even want to know what would happen if I'd been here since Friday. My entire team rolled in from Canada about a minute and a half before the panel started. And I was like, this, I'm not going to worry. They'll be here. <laughs> no one wants to hear me talk for an hour. Uh, All right, well, thanks, stop. ladies. Thank you. Thanks for meeting you. And one final thing if you don't hate us enough already, oh, God. Team Cause over. Because I, I do. Oh, <laughs> snap, Jessica Cameron. Opens your dice. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Other Lisa, we thank you. First Lisa. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't know why she talks to us. We're such dicks. She loves it. <laughs> I love when we went to the, uh, what was it, the DIY horror uh, filmmaking panel. Mm. And she was on that. And we were just like sitting in the crowd just giving her shit. And you're just like, I love how our relationship with her is just based on mutual contempt. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when they're trying to play the trailer and they're having trouble, um, she said like something like, you know, sooner, sooner the pl- we can play it, the better. And I'm like, yeah, the sooner you play it, the sooner we can leave. <laughs> um, We're like Waldorf and Statler. <laughs> sooner you play it, the sooner we can leave. Oh! <laughs> okay, so. Um, but I mean, as, as you heard in the interview, we got the fucking exclusive yeah. about the soundtrack, which is amazing because I love Steel Panther. Steel Panther's badass. <laughs> yeah, all original songs. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's like they're not even like licensing things to them. Which... They're gonna ha- they're gonna put out a CD that's gonna say music from and inspired by Puppet Killer. <laughs> so good. Sorry, guys, there's five L outside. I don't know what they're doing. Cheese it, it's the fuzz. Oh, there's another one? Somebody tried to rob Rite Aid again. From the backside? Yeah. <laughs> Coming in the back door. <laughs> Kobe style. <laughs> Black Mamba style. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um,. Yeah, so we after that we went to uh or no, I guess we went to the Tom Matthews one before that, didn't we? Yes. Okay, so we're going backwards, but whatever. It's it's Sunday, who gives it's, a fuck? It's it, No one's gonna listen and be like, they're not talking in sequential order. <laughs> Nobody fucking cares. Anyway, so we went to the Tom Matthews um interview, which was cool. Um it I mean I, I, I believe he doesn't do much acting anymore. I think he's Kind of semi-retired from the acting life, but um, Tom Matthews he played Tommy Jarvis in um, Return of the Living or sorry, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, um, and he also played Freddy in Return of the Living Dead. Um, I mean, he's done other other films, obviously, but those are kind of what he's known for within the genre. He also returned for Return of the Living Dead Two. Uh, which made no fucking sense. Yeah, if you've seen Return of the Living Dead, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, something I wanted to ask him, I just, I just didn't. It was like, because he he mentioned that he didn't really like Return of the Living Dead too, um, 
and which I think is a popular opinion, right? Um, and he, you know, when he 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 explained why they brought him back. Something I wanted to ask is like, you know, when you got that call, what was your reaction? That would have been a good question. Yeah, I just kind of sat on it and then just never pulled the trigger on it because it was like, was he just like, he just like talking to his agent like, what? (laughs) Why? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But I died. (laughs) Um. But uh, no, even like I, I mentioned when I had my mask signed by him, he's he's a really nice guy, um, really friendly and really willing to ask, answer questions. And um, talked about Friday the Thirteenth, the game, about them bringing him back. He basically said that the the first draft of the character was just way wrong. Right. They basically get kind of gave him. He said like the jaw was too big and the nose was too wide. Yeah. He had dark brown hair. <laughs> it's like, are you even looking at a picture of me? <laughs> um, no, it's like, honestly to look at him. I didn't recognize him until we got up close. See, I wouldn't have like if I didn't know it was him. I mean, because he's, he's he, well, he did have like he had glasses and a hat on. Yeah, and that, I mean that was the big part. But I mean, he's also like thirty years older. So yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, he's got gray hair. You know, just the the things that come along with age. So yeah, just, but when he starts talking, mm-hmm. I definitely recognize his voice. Yeah. <clears throat> um. And uh, oh shit! When I was throwing out the shout outs, I forgot to say uh, horror addicts. Oh yes, and Ronnie Angel. Yes. Who? I mean, we're we're still trying to do something with horror addicts. We don't know when, but it's going to happen eventually. I think we're going to do some kind of appearance on their show. Um. And yeah, Ronnie Angel, he's a local uh, author. Just released his second book, right? Slash Dreams Part Two. Um, and yeah, we want to get him on. We we wanted to get him on last year, and we just never did. But well, when we talked to him last year, he was like, "I would love to come on your show." It was actually his idea. He was like, "I would love to come on That's your right. show." And then afterwards, we were like, "We didn't get any kind of contact information for him." Right. I mean, in this day and age, it probably would have been easy to get in touch with him. Facebook or something. I remember looking for him and I couldn't find him. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, the panel's cool. Um, you know, he was talking about Friday and um, he mentioned... Or I uh, I asked him, it's like, you know, Tommy Jarvis was in three sequential movies. Did they give you any indication that, you know, they would want to bring you back for seven? They said no. I mean, six was pretty much just it, and they 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 made no no indication they were going to bring Tommy back or 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 me or any, you know any of that. It's like no. It's like I, I thought they're they're kind of building a thing there. Yeah, and then they just kind of ended it. Yeah, but whatever. You would think that even like at the time they would have at least like maybe brought it up as a possibility, but it sounds like no. Yeah. Um. But something he did say, which was pretty cool, is that the short, the independent short that's being worked on, and the, the director's name escapes me, but never, never go in the woods alone. Is that never hike called? alone. Never hike alone, um, which is a Friday the Thirteenth based short film, fan fan based or fan made short film. Uh, there's a trailer online. And they had a Kickstarter um, uh, campaign. I don't know if it's still going or what, but um, the the trailer's online. You can look it up. 
and it looks really fucking good. Yeah. It looks really fucking polished for a fan film. Uh, apparently, he'd been talking to the director about possibly coming in on that. You have to assume as, well, one would hope that it'd be as Tommy Jarvis. I mean, maybe he'd just make kind of a, like a guest appearance. But if it, if he was actually Tommy Jarvis or like like alluded to the fact that he's Tommy Jarvis, even if they don't call him by name, that would be badass. You know what would be really cool? Because he, he wore like the coat with the, the furry collar. Mm-hmm. Make him a sheriff. Yeah. And so he just, like, just has like the same coat. Yeah, that'd be badass. Um, and maybe maybe give him a name tag that says Jarvis, but don't actually ever like address it. Yeah. He actually did mention that, uh, I assume back around the time the film came out, um, they were talking to him about doing a, a TV series. Yeah. About Tommy Jarvis being a cop or a detective who investigates Jason copycat murders. Um, which that would have been pretty cool, I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the lifespan it would have had. I think like it could have had the pot, the the uh, possibility of being really cool, but it. I also feel like they could easily make that terrible. Well, sure. <laughs> um, I think maybe if they did that for like one season, like 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 a season long story arc where he's investigating somebody who like a Jason copycat murderer. It's just a mini series. Well, no, I mean they they could do that for one season, but then if it, it's good, then it could continue on. Yeah, and he could be just investigating other other murders. Sure, it wouldn't have to always be Jason, and maybe Jason could just be kind of this this ever present thing that's like in his past, and you know, Jason still haunts him at times and that kind of thing. And you know, maybe he, maybe Jason could make some kind of return. Every Are you once pitching right now? Huh? Are you pitching? I guess I am. <laughs> I don't know. I just really like the Tommy Jarvis character. Uh, I mean, aside from part five. I mean, it was the closest thing that Jason had to a, a rival. Yeah. A exactly. nemesis. Um, I mean, I think they tried to do that in part seven with Tina. They, 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 I'm Tina. I'm Tina. They did the whole, you know, Jason versus Carrie thing. And I think maybe they, maybe they were trying to build something there. But again, it only lasted that thing only lasted the one movie so yeah and it wasn't as good no i i like i i said at the uh who would win panel that part six is the best one and i got a lot of weird looks <laughs> so i was just like fuck y'all <laughs> that was uh going back to the cosplay i did see i don't i don't think you saw him but there were, i did see a cg cj graham part six jason yeah i saw him too um looked pretty good yeah, <coughs> had the uh, the coveralls and the work gloves. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, I guess we just we wrapped up the weekend. We just shot the shit with uh, Lucha Gore for a while. Yeah, and I mean, you know, backtracking a little bit, talking about how we got that exclusive from Lisa. Um, if you haven't been to our website, which you should have, you been. should have because we had another exclusive about the. Uh, project lucha which has been gestating for over a year they talked about it at last year's crypticon Mm -hmm. and the the beans were finally spilled we had the exclusive uh first details and uh it wasn't i don't know exclusive is the right word no it was exclusive okay so exclusive that we were the only ones 
on the internet. If anyone else says they had it first, you you bring them to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we did we did have it first. <laughs> we just couldn't say anything yet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I mean, now it's out there, uh, and so I guess I, we might as well just listen to them give the details, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but I mean, we do have an article about it on our website. Go check that out, and then you know, any extra details will be in this interview you're going yeah, to listen to. This is uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero. Luke Bramley, Rainer Shima, and Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams was a new person for us. For us, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's been with the crew since, since the beginning, but we, this is our first time talking to him. Yeah, so uh, have a listen. Hey, everyone. Reporting live from Crypticon 2017 again. This is Skeletoni. And Taylor of Terror. We're here with Luchagor Productions. Lucha! 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 So you guys are becoming kind of a, a stable on our show. So welcome back. Yeah, man. Good to be back. Although you got another new person that we haven't had on the show. Hello, this is Jordan. I am a part of the camera crew with Luke. Uh, pleasure to be here. This is my first Crypticon, so I'm totally stoked. How are you liking it? Uh, it's so warm and people are so receptive to to us and so friendly. And uh, yeah, I'm totally digging it. Have you, have you done a lot of events with the, with the team? Uh, I make, I've, I've made all the short films with them. Uh, Kelowna. We did. I did. I was there in Kelowna uh, for for a convention, but it was not on this kind of a level. So, uh, <laughs> so super happy to be out. How about the rest of you doing? Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> we, well, we woke up, so that's important. Yeah, after that's la- After last yeah. night's uh, sh- <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah. What time did you all get to bed? So I wasn't it must have been like 3.30. Yeah. Oh, okay. Jesus. I didn't get to bed like 3 last night. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, how's the show treating you guys? Or as a whole? Crypticon? Yeah. Crypticon's the best. Yeah. Like, we want to come back almost, like as many years as possible as we can. As long as they keep going and they keep inviting us back, we'll always keep coming. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep so coming well. back. We're so open armed about having us back here, and I think that's that's a great thing. Yeah, Crypticon really treats people like well, to us anyways. They they really treat uh, the guests like family, and make sure everybody's doing good. And yeah, like Jordan was saying, everyone's so friendly. And it's just hard to not come, you know. Yes, I mean we're not celebrities, but uh, you know even just as press, they are is really uh, helpful and, and friendly to us. So. Yeah. Um, so. You guys showed uh, Bestia, and that was the first time you showed it, right? Yeah. Debut. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I really liked it. Well, I heard some... Ah! Yeah. There's like, a lot of cringe. Like, I love that. I, I, I love that. Luke. I'm just like, oh my gosh! Literally, the second it, it, it opened, the woman next to me was like, oh, that place is nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a few people went, ah! Like, ah! Oh, like, they had this, like... It was breathtaking, yeah. Thank I, you very much. Yeah, I, I dug it because the entire thing is just tension building. Like, yeah. it's like it, it doesn't break at any point. It just con- continues to build throughout the entire thing. And that was the whole premise of that show, was to really focus on the tension. Um, what, what we normally do is, you know, a lot of the violence and gore. Yeah. Um, it was a lot yeah, more subtle. Of, yeah. It was a lot more subtle with, um, with the, the violence was more like, um, Psychological uh, than when it was like physical. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you, as you guys mentioned before, the location plays 
its own role uh, in the short as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like big. another character. It really yeah. is. It was almost like, it's still in the Luchagor world, but up in the mountains, you know? It's just... Desolate. Oh, yeah. Far away from out. the wrestling rings. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yes. What it looks like outside of all those rooms we shoot in, you know? I mean, it's a one-man show. I mean, you got one actor, um, Matias. Yeah. yeah. Um, so good. Yeah, and he, so good. he carried it on his own so well. It was impressive. I saw Rainer didn't want to cast him, right? Until he said he, <laughs> he, he had us at, at Latino Leo. Yeah. So we're like, okay. He begged for it to the point where he just kept nonstop hugging. It was like, okay, fine. <laughs> then after that, he said, I'll do anything for free for one more round. So we're like, okay. Free is good. Free is excellent. But yeah. So you guys announced on your panel kind of what Project Lucha was, but for people that aren't here, why don't you go ahead and give what you can away? Uh, yeah, it's going to be an online series. Uh, seven episodes. Uh, created for, they're called Stage 13. It's part of this, uh, you may have heard, heard this studio called Time Warner. <laughs> and yeah, it's a little different than what we've done in the past. It's uh, definitely the biggest project we've ever done. It's really cool. We're excited. And the name of the show is La Quinceañera. So it's we got a lot of craziness in it. There's the cartel, there's drugs, guns, violence, and a grandma kicking ass. Uh, on Twitter, someone quoted my, uh, my line of... Uh, the Mex it's, she's like the Mexican Terminator, but a grandma. And uh, that was awesome. So, yeah, if you guys are interested in La Quinceañera, it's like Kill Bill versus like mariachi style. Yeah. All, yeah. Within, uh, all within this world. Yeah, it's a coming all, of age revenge story. Yeah. It all takes place at a. It all takes place at a. Like a sweet 16 birthday party that they would have in Mexico. Um, it's just a, like. Craziness. A slew of like, incredible action and really interesting points that you don't get to see from us all too often. That's really going to shock some people. So. Uh, so there's still no word on like when this is happening. No, we're right hoping yet. Uh, end of summer is the release, yeah, but we can't until even, we can't even say that because we don't know. Because exactly. yeah, we, we don't, don't know. know exactly. But what we can say is that keep following. Post production's almost done and keep following. I think you'll know when we announce it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're and when gonna we find out from them, we will, yeah. we will definitely be sharing that with the rest of the people. Now, it's on stage 13, right? Yeah. Uh, which is new, right? Yes, it's a new startup. It's a new digital platform that's gonna launch very soon. There's a slate of new shows. Well, obviously, we're one uh, of a few, but um, there's a bunch of scripted and unscripted content that we'll be releasing on their platform. So. Uh, like Quinceanera itself is the most diverse that is going to be released on Stage 13's platform. Is this, is this kind of a test drive for you guys with, with Time Warner? Or? Yeah. I say so. It's also our first time working for a studio, so we're hoping if you know if things go as well as we, we think it will, it'll open the doors that Luchagor didn't have before. And finally we can make the feature we've always dreamed of making. Uh, which is El Gigante, but if not, at least that experience of telling a story longer than 10 minutes can lead to a, a, a feature film of any kind that we're, we can be proud of. Bestie was 10 minutes, right? 
It's yeah, seven. seven minutes. Seven okay. minutes, yeah. I thought on the program, I thought it said ten, and I was like, that did not feel like ten minutes. Oh, it's fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it, fast. it moves along quickly. Our longest one is uh, 14 minutes. It's El Gigante. That's our longest film. But Now, you, you mentioned during your uh, panel that uh, Warner wanted you to do uh, Gigante series. At first, was that was their yeah, first was approach. Uh, they saw El Gigante first and was like, what about an El Gigante series? We're like, Nope. Uh, nope. <laughs> That's <laughs> gotta be a feature. And, no, and I mean, was that a? Did they fight you on that, or was it? Were no, they, they were. You, they were. Well, at first, a little bummed out. I think I could see it on, on the Skype call. They're like, <laughs> "What?" Uh, but I immediately we told them about Shane, our writer, and that he's got great stories up his sleeve, and that we would give them something better than 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 that, you know. And they were into La Quinceañera on the first meeting. It was a very easy decision for them. And I think a better one than El Gigante is more what they were looking for. I think El Gigante would have been extremely toned down and not what Luchador has plans for. You know, it, it would have, yeah. yeah. Uh, since it is a web series, did they kind of like hold you guys back as far as gore and stuff goes? Or? A little bit, yeah. Uh, I, I think once you work for a client, you got to make it work for what they want. And, and definitely we have to learn how to hold back. I, I had Rainer helping me out a lot saying, Gigi, we can't do that. I'm like, but, but we need the head <laughs> I'd really like to. Yeah. yeah, so it was a really, really awesome uh, learning experience for all of us, how to make it work when it's not yours and still put your signature in it somehow. Yeah. And the, the one thing you said in your panel that I thought was really cool was that they, they approached you guys and you were like, this, it's all or nothing. Like, it's Luchador. It's not Gigi. It's not Rainer. It's, it's Luchador. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's such a great attitude that, you know, you don't just turn your back on the people that got you there. Yeah, because you know what? Uh, they kept saying we wanted to look like El Gigante and all these, uh, all of our films. And, and Rainer and I told them, okay, then you got to hire the whole team because the Luchador product is... A whole team, and, and in order to get that, uh, we all got to be there, and it's a blessing that that happened. Our whole yeah. team got that experience. So. Very cool. My brain is shutting down. All right, guys. So uh, why don't you go and plug your website and where can people follow you? Keep up with your stuff. Yeah, you can uh, go to our website, www.luchagoreproductions.com. That will link you to our social media, so our, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, go to our website for all the news on projects coming up. You can and all the films. There. All our films are there. And, yeah, just send us an email. All the films are on the website now? No, no, all most of them. Most of them. Okay. All the ones we can show. The ones from Crip TV. Uh, Pretty much all, almost all of them are, yeah. All that yeah. And Rick, I mean, you guys are you kind of cooling your heels right now? Nothing, nothing you're like actively working on right now. Well, we're stuff finishing in the works. on the works. You know, oh, we got a new hashtag. Stuff. A new hashtag that's no more shorts. Right. We have twenty of those. I think that's enough. To, <laughs> like Luke says, we have something in the works. But also, yeah, again, like Quinceañera, Project Lucha. I think two more weeks of editing is done. And exactly, yeah, and, and Aztec, the anthology, is finally uh, halfway through editing, and and uh, we got a hilarious segment in that anthology. Is that was that going to be on VOD or? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely it was a sci-fi anthology, and I think mm -hmm. it'll be on VOD. It'll be released in Mexico first, and see where it goes from there. 
but I can tell you that the our segment is very funny and gory <laughs> and very Evil Dead cheesy, over the top bullshit that is makes you, makes you have a language. giant smile on your face like yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, and the trailer for uh, La Quinceanera is on State Shirting's website, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, this, that's the, for their first trailer. I think they're going to come out with even it's a newer one. That's not the so. final one, though. That's not the official. Oh, okay. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> well, don't watch it yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a teaser for the teaser. I think it's a teaser for the teaser. It's a test. Teaser teaser. Yeah. Cool. Thanks a lot for talking to us, guys. Thank you. Go and hang out with you all weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just a really cool gang of people there. Those Canucks, man, they're they're good peeps. Yeah. Um, yeah, just so much fun to hang out with. Yeah, I mean, aside, I mean, they're 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 really interesting to talk to. They're all so smart. Yeah, they really are. They really know their craft. They know a lot. I mean, you know, they've only been doing this. I mean, they've been doing it a few years, but they've you know they don't they don't have a feature film under their belt but they still know so much about filmmaking mm-hmm. and and horror and they're just super knowledgeable and great to talk to yeah. and and yeah tons of fun yeah I i'm mean, pretty sure jordan is going to be my new best friend um sorry tony but we we spent the whole weekend talking about basketball and sneakers and wrestling and i was just like yeah dude you're cool all right well you know we had a good run so. yeah <laughs> 12 years since that's enough i mean you know it's going to be awkward cuz he doesn't know it yet and plus, he's in Canada, and he's also busy with Luchagor. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, we'll work something out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, going back to saying how they, how well, how informed they all are. Um, I was <clears throat> at the party. I was just listening, listening and somewhat contributing to a conversation between uh, Rayner and Jeff Farrell, who's a local filmmaker, Um if you want to check out his work, it's actually on Netflix. It's called Dead West. Um, but uh, the, just listening to the two of them, it was fascinating. Them talking about the business of filmmaking. Like, it was, it was incredible. You're like, where's James Lipton? Like, I feel like James Lipton <laughs> should be talking to you guys. Well, you right know now. what it reminded me of was listening to an episode of the movie Crypt, but without the douchebaggery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because they were both saying, if you don't give us money, we're going to stop talking. No. <laughs> But no, I mean, just talking about what it takes to get a film made. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the, the kind of the tricks of the trade. It's just like, you know, as somebody who would like to do more filmmaking, the things they were saying was just engrossing. It was awesome. It was awesome just to listen to them talk to each other about that. So, um, yeah. And then meanwhile, me and Jordan are over on the other side of the room, just like, yeah, fucking Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. <laughs> And I found out that Luke and I have a shared passion for just blood and guts and, and nudity. That's cool. Which is cool. <laughs> but and Luke brought up the Sonics, which of course is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah, Taylor's dick like poked up a little hmm? bit. Prairie dogged a little bit. <laughs> His little dick went just like... <laughs> Uh yeah. So I mean that was Crypticon. Twenty seventeen in the books. Uh you guys, it's so much fun. It is. It's a great time. If you're anywhere in the in the northwest area, um we've I mean, we've said it a million times before, but we definitely recommend it. It's a great time. There's so many fun people there. Um so many just like 
in, like really interesting panels to go to. Um, I mean, you know, it's a three day event, and you could really go any day and have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't go all three days, just pick a day. You won't miss out yeah. on, on on very much. Saturday is obviously the most desirable day because it's a full day <laughs> of just shit going on constantly. But um, yeah, um, big thanks to you know all the people we paneled with, everybody we talked to, and it's extra big thanks to all the Crypticon staff, the people that yeah, were, thanks to Jason, thanks to Lorelai. Uh, thank you, Troy, for getting us into the VIP party. That was pretty sweet. Troy is the guy who organizes Crypticon, and he is a great guy. Um, so, yeah, thanks to all of them. Um, we really hope to return next year um, for 2018. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we didn't even mention any of the vendors. There's all kinds of cool shit you can buy there. Yeah, the vendor room's incredible. It's, I mean, I mean it, it's like a giant IRL Etsy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, if if you're a, a, a bibliophile, there's there just authors upon authors there. I mean, they're actually there selling their work, so you can actually talk to the person that wrote the book. Yeah, both novels and comics. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a lot of artists. I bought a really sweet poster. Um, it's like this really kind of almost almost comic version of Jason. Um, it looked really cool. Um, yeah, just all kinds of shit. It's, a, it's so much fun, guys. I mean, and parties. Like on, I, I'll, I'll be completely frank with you. As people were starting to drop off, because like Flyboy from Dawn of the Dead was really supposed to be there. He dropped off. Uh, the guy who played um, the Demogorgon from Stranger Things was supposed to be there. He ended up dropping off. To go to Texas Frightmare. That's fucking weak. <laughs> but they have a whole Stranger Things thing. Ah. Uh, ah. George, George Romero got sick and couldn't go. And so honestly, I was kind of like Miguel Nunez. Miguel Nunez ended up getting a job and couldn't come. And you know, I was kind of starting to just be like, oh, "God, this year is just going to suck." Yeah, but it totally did not. And it's it it's super fun. Like I said, you, you know, the celebrities are the big selling point, but they're not the only reason to go. There's so much more going on. Tony said, "Great panels every day. Lots of um, you know, fun and informative stuff to go to." Um, short films. We didn't talk about any of the short films we watched. Right. Yeah. We. I mean, we mentioned as you heard in our um, in our interview, we saw Bestia, which <clears throat> is Luchagor's new joint. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's it's. I don't want to say it's drastically different, but it, it is um, not their usual style. Yeah, definitely. It's um, not as uh, not as violent. You know, it's it's one character. It's an isolation horror. Um, yeah, another one we saw was Ding Dong by Timothy Troy, <laughs> which <laughs> Ding Dong. Sorry, Taylor is five years old. Oh, look at Tony over here acting like he didn't giggle when it popped up on screen. <laughs> um, it popped up, Ding Dong. <laughs> Idiot, boner. Um, and the, and the uh, what that that was apparently a world premiere as well. Yes, it was. And the director was it. Timothy Troy? That's what you said. Oh, sorry. I, I was talking. Yeah, I know. Um, another one we he watched. He was in attendance, is what I was going to say. Uh, another one we watched was uh, Down Under, which is not Australian. It's Mexican. Which one was that? 
Uh, it was the one where um, the cop or like the like federal. Oh, with the, the trucker guy. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't like subtitles as a rule. Yeah, and I couldn't see through the guy in the front row's head. I had well, to keep being like this. Yeah, moving back and forth. And then there's another one. It was French. What was it called? Les Ailes Bontemps Roulés. Nope, that's, what, that's not what it was called. Les Incompetents. Let <laughs> uh, me find it. I wish that these weren't in. Oh, we saw uh, the stylist, which is Jill uh, Jill Six's. Um, How do you pronounce her last name? Gibarzian. Is that what it is? Is that hard G? <laughs> I'm guessing. I don't know for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, um, but, but, um, I don't know, better known, but also known as Jill Six, which is much easier to say. That's what I said. I said Jill Six first. I know. God. I'm reiterating, you fuck. You're such a prick. Oh, I hate you. Uh, stylist, yeah, but uh, that is actually on Shudder. So if you have a Shudder subscription, you can check that out. Starring Najara Townsend from Contracted. Correct. Uh, oh, Vexed is another one we watched. That one was interesting. It was. I, that went in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and they said that's all over the place too. I don't. They didn't give any kind of specifics of where you can watch it, but they said that it's. That I, I I don't know if they meant like film festivals or on the internet, but. Oh, studded nightmare. That was the one. Oh, yeah, the chair one. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird, but it was cool. It was cool. I just like I really couldn't figure out what was going on. Like that. I mean, it was French. So there's subtitles, but the subtitles are really low on the screen, and I couldn't see them all that well. As I was saying, the guy's head was in the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, for Down Under, it was, I could see him fine, because they were they were higher up in the screen. Yeah. On, on Stead of Nightmare, they were really low, and yeah, I couldn't see most of them. And it wasn't people that were blocking them out, it was the equipment. Oh. And I think uh, like the backs of the chairs up on the stage were in the way. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't sure like who these people were or what their relationship was to each other. If if, if that was even explained, I don't know. I but mean, it, it wasn't like definitively explained, but the impression I got was that they were like exes who were t- considering getting back together. Yes. I mean, that, that kind of seemed like a, a possible thing it could have been. Um, but yeah, that was directed by Jean-Claude LeBlanc. Um, Vexed was directed by Mark Cartwright. Um, so if you want to look into any of those, they, I'm, I'm not sure which ones are and aren't available online. Um, but, uh, definitely go check it out. Something I wish we would have had the time to do was check out the Bone Bat show. Yeah. That um, was at the, uh, the same time as something else we were doing though. Yeah. But yeah, that's what another person I missed in my shout outs is Steve from Bone Bat, right? Yeah, who's always been super nice to us. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Um, yeah, check out the Bone Bat show. Um, and if you're in the Seattle area next year, so you can check out the uh, the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Um, and I mean, that's gonna do it, I guess. I mean, that's that was our entire weekend, yeah. Um, so We'll hopefully be back next year. I don't see any reason why not. But I mean, unless they deny our press passes, I guess. We could always buy tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like buying things. 
We need to find out how to get on that VIP list without spending a lot of money. <laughs> Maybe we just start making lots and lots of films and then we can be qualified as celebrities. Maybe. Maybe the podcast gets really big in the next year. Who knows? It could be, it could be amazing things if people just listen it's to us. It's all on you guys. <laughs> tell a friend to tell a friend. Yes. Anyway, so that's going to do it for episode 85. I, I really, I really just can't stress enough. If you're in the the Seattle area and you're a horror fan, this is something you need to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's sure it's not as big as Texas Frightmare or you know Mad Monster Con, Monster Palooza, Monster Palooza, or fucking what the what's the one in London Film Fright Fest? Yeah, um, but I mean, it's it's the biggest one in the area, and it's it's I've never had a bad time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. We this is our fourth year. It's been fun every year, um, so definitely check it out if you have the time and means. Yeah, and uh, go to our website, check out the photos, um, graveplotpodcast.com, of course. Check out, if you need more information on Crypticon, crypticonseattle.com. Uh, even though we've never been, they do have them in Kansas City and Minnesota as well. So I mean, if you're in one of those areas, definitely look into it. Yeah. So um, that's going to do it for us, guys. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks um, with episode 86. Do we have our movies picked out for that one? Yeah, we're doing Alien Covenant. Right. As well as the original Alien. Yeah, it's going to be our uh, Ridley Scott Alien movie, or uh, Alien uh, episode. episode. Um, and I think we've got a guest scheduled, but mm-hmm. we'll wait to see if that pans out before we announce it. Um and uh, yeah, that'll that'll be in a couple weeks, guys. So uh, until then, Taylor, where, where can they find us? The best place to find us is graveplotpodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or wherever else iTunes are found. We are also on iTunes. Are found. Is that what I said? Yeah. It's been a long, long fucking... I really can't stress how long of a weekend it's been. <laughs> I'm I'm ready to kick Tony out so I can take a fucking nap. I think I've had one night's worth of sleep over the last. That sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, wherever podcasts are found, uh, as well as on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast, or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And so we will catch you again on the next episode, guys. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>